And then what are some of the perks, right? So the question always comes up is, how is this going to help me? What's in it for me? Well, how to instantly create relationships, how to improve existing relationships, how to connect with people that you've never met before. And we're actually going to show you how to do this here in a minute. And then here's the things that I personally use it for. I get free upgrades in hotels, airlines, you name it, free food and drink. And only when I tell people what I'm doing, hence the name subtle skills, because I don't tell everybody, then it's exactly what you referenced before, which is people will start surrounding you and asking you to analyze their faces. And the fun part, you've gotten to see this twice is it's not just the people in front of me. They'll say, oh, no, you're just cold reading me. You're reading my face and my nods and body language. Say, OK, pull up somebody on your phone and I can do the exact same thing. And we actually did that with several of the people that were there. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Sean and Lacey here with you just as we are each and every week. And just as each and every week, well, actually, maybe not like each and every week. Because I think that we have like the most prepared None of Your Business guest in the history of guests with potentially one of the most interesting topics. So we've been fortunate enough to be in many places in the United States with this gentleman. And everywhere he goes, um, he gathers a crowd. Doesn't Always. take very long because he just starts talking. People are fascinated by and him. And then all I of a sudden, it. everybody's gathering around. Now, if you're listening through any of the podcast platforms, um, you're going to miss out on that section of the video. So you jump over onto YouTube or all the places where we put the, the video of the podcast. This is one that you're going to want to see because as the most prepared guest in podcast history, there's like even visual aids here. And there has to be visual aids. There has Once to be you visual hear aids. what he's going to talk about, you'll understand why the visual aids are necessary. And then you're going to pause this podcast and get it on video. I guarantee it. What I love about this before we let him jump in here is that there's so many applications for this. In fact, yeah. his website is subtle skills, subtleskills.com. And because it is, when you learn what um, what our guest is going to speak about, uh, facial analysis and the information that it provides to you and what you can use that information for, so always for the good, always using it, using it for the good to help more people. Um, but this is going to be incredibly, incredibly useful to, to you. So let's bring in our guest today, Brian Galke, subtleskills.com. Brian, welcome to the None of Your Business podcast. Thanks for having me on. It's great seeing you guys again. It's great seeing you as always. I know we're we're so excited for all the times that we've crossed paths and um, been able to watch you in action. So I'm super excited for all of our listeners out there um, to be able to experience you and your knowledge and your skill set the way that a lot of the people that we are around are able to. So oh, let's go. I want to learn about. I want to learn is, about facial analysis. Yeah, tell we us. Um, tell us what we came here to learn today. Sure. Um, and you mentioned this earlier. So we had met before in Phoenix. And one of the things was it was very difficult at times to just talk about this and just point at myself a lot. So that's why I like to show the visuals because there are some visual learners. Right. So this is the advantage people get today. But uh, what we're going to teach everybody about is the unfair advantage that you don't even know that you know about. And what is that? And that is 
our entire life, we've been trained on how to understand other people based on their facial features. And people say, no, I've never received any training on anything like that. I'm like, but you have because it's part of our everyday language. So if you say things like it's written all over their face, take one on the chin, keep a stiff upper lip. These are all things that are part of our everyday language. Right. And we say them, but we never really understood why do we say them? And the reason because of that is because authors and artists used to go and take classes on something known as physiognomy. And when physiognomy is, it's basically where you studied how the mind creates movement, movement creates muscles, and it would alter people's faces over time. So if you really think about the way that authors used to describe people in their book, it was the way their, what their actions were and their facial features. So they'd say, here comes John with his downturned nose, and they'd describe an evil action that they did. Because if they walked in and said, here's a hero, here's the villain, then that'd be the end of the book. They'd all be like 10 pages long. So authors and artists, before photographs were part of books, would go out and take this actual certification and understand how to draw people or how to describe their characters in a book. It goes all the way back to the Greeks with Aristotle. So it's literally, it's part of our everyday language because it's been taught to us the entire time. And then what are some of the perks, right? So the question always comes up is, how is this going to help me? What's in it for me? Well, how to instantly create relationships, how to improve existing relationships, how to connect with people that you've never met before. And we're actually going to show you how to do this here in a minute. And then here's the things that I personally use it for. I get free upgrades in hotels, airlines, you name it, free food and drink. And only when I tell people what I'm doing, hence the name Subtle Skills, because I don't tell everybody, then it's exactly what you referenced before which is people will start surrounding you and asking you to analyze their faces. And the fun part, you've gotten to see this twice, is it's not just the people in front of me. They'll say, oh, no, you're just cold reading me. You're reading my face and my nods and body language. Say, okay, pull up somebody on your phone, and I can do the exact same thing. And we actually did that with several of the people that were there. So it's just amazing. Now, the question that people ask all the time is, well, isn't it all genetics? Well, it's part genetics, which is what did we inherit? What are we born with? But then it becomes epigenetics. And epigenetics is what we experience in life. Again, the mind creates movement, movement creates muscle. So you can take actual identical twins who had the same upbringing, the same genetic code, but they had different life experiences. And our parents always told us when we were kids, don't make that face or stick that way. Well, it's kind of true. So when you see this, you can take identical twins and because they had different romantic interests and um, activities, educationally, they may have been great at sports. The other one wasn't. You'll see subtle changes in their face. And normally if I'm at a live event, this is where I'd pull somebody up to the front. You know, it's um, I did that to the events that you guys had. But if we're going to start with anybody else, I fear might as well start with me. So these are pictures of me at 18 versus 38. And what you can see here is all the differences in my face. So if you look at my eyebrows, no, I didn't get my eyebrows done, but my eyebrows used to both be straight. And now on my right hand side, it's actually angled. And if you look, my eyes used to angle down as well. That's because I was raised in kind of a negative household. Not bad, but we could always tell you what problem was going to happen, right? So it wasn't really a house full of optimists, but we were always looking out what could potentially go wrong. And so your eyes angle down over time. As I got into self-development and learning things, my eyes actually used to angle or my eyes angled back up. So you'll see that. And then you can kind of see how the ears are a little bit different there as well. And everybody's thinking, ah, oh, this is kind of crazy, but trust me, this has like a 95% success rate. It's absolutely insane. Um, what are the challenges that this can really help with this day and age? 
And that is some people are still scared to meet us in face to face. And a lot of people prefer Zoom, you know, versus coming in. And some people still feel more comfortable wearing a mask than they don't. So when you're going to meet people where we used to come in and you, you spent time in somebody's office and you spent and you read their body language and you could see their facial expressions. Well, now sarcasm has been taken to a whole new level because most sarcasm is followed with a smile. Well, now when you do sarcasm, if you're wearing a mask, nobody can tell if you're smiling or not. So this is all the more reason why there's never been a better time than now to learn to analyze people's faces. So what does it do? It basically takes when you walk into a room, if you don't know anybody there, it's how to just look and understand a few things in their face to figure out who that person is instead of them just being a big question mark for you. My favorite thing about this is this is something you can do proactively. So this is a skill that really took me from being on the help desk to being a regional vice president of sales because I learned to focus on other people. Now, here's the cool part about it. I used to be part of a presentation team for any client over a million dollars that's flown around the U.S. Well, in the hotel room, I could practice my PowerPoint, my computer, my product, you name it. But people were always the unknown until I learned how to analyze faces. And the cool thing about it is now I can go into LinkedIn and I can find a picture of somebody and I can actually study their face ahead of time. And I figure out how should I change my message from what I want to say to how would they best understand it. So if you ever think about the book, The Five Love Languages, that's what the entire book is about, is about how not just what do I want to say, but how is it best received by the other person? And there's actually some things that we can talk about from the five love languages. Like there's a dead giveaway I'll give you in a little bit if you see a little line right here. I think everybody should learn body language. If you guys haven't studied it, you absolutely should. These are two of my favorite books, which is What Everybody is Saying by Joe Navarro. And then my friend Janine Driver's book, You Say More Than You Think. The first book is how to read other people's body language. The second book, Janine's book, is about how to watch my body language and what I project out to the world. So I'd read those in that particular order. And as important as I think body language is, the challenge is back to what we talked about earlier. We're doing a lot more over the phone or over Zoom now. So we only get to see so much of some people's body. So that skill is still important when we get to be face to face. But how do we work around at this modern day and age? The other thing I really love about it is who would you rather talk to? Would you rather talk to the gentleman on the right? who's reading our face or talk to the body, the guy who's reading our body language. And this was a big game changer for me. I'm kind of an introvert. I call myself an introverted extrovert, meaning that I used to um, go out and I wanted to be around people, but I was terrified to talk to people when I was out. So I had that desire to be amongst people, but I didn't feel like I belonged around people. And once I learned that by focusing on somebody else, I got out of the prison of my own mind and in the present moment. And that was the absolute game changer for me. And that's the number one reason that you should just study even just the eyebrows. I'm going to teach here in a second is you get out of your head. And when you're present, that's how you create connection with other people. Um, for anybody who's going to see Brian come up, he talked in Phoenix about people. Once they have physical safety and emotional safety, they want to feel seen and heard and they want to feel connected. And that's exactly what you're doing when you're taking the time to analyze somebody's face because you're making it about them. In this day and age where people look at their smartphones and their smartwatches, when you actually give people just a few seconds of your time, it is a game changer. 
Brian, I have a question. I'm just listening to you talk about yep. how things have changed so drastically in the world. And now people were wearing, wearing masks for so long. There's still younger children that are wearing masks. Is this going to change the way that you read people because their face may develop differently? Because maybe somebody's not as smiling as like smiling as much. Or like you said, with sarcasm, we're not mm -hmm. getting that smile afterwards because they don't actually need to do it. Right. to show the other person, right? Yes. The funny thing is because I, I read people like a book, top to bottom, left to right. So I still get a good portion of the face, even with a mask. But it's not so much about what I do because I can look people up on LinkedIn. But I'll tell you who it really hurts right now, and that's kids. I have a five-year-old daughter. And imagine trying to learn the way that kids learn language is they watch, we're natural lip readers. So they watch right. teachers talk and then they try and repeat it back. Well, if all your teachers are doing this, it's actually stunting the growth of kids from a linguistic standpoint because they can't mimic the lips of their teachers. It's very interesting. And yeah. kids, I would imagine, too, you know, as they're learning and developing, they actually probably read body language very well. And then somewhere along the line, we must unlearn this or not pay enough attention to it. Something's got to happen during that process, right? Oh, 100%. So basically, what do we do if we have the worst of criminals? We put them in isolation so they're not around other people, right? right. And what they learn is they learn antisocial behavior. Well, that's kind of what isolation has done with people. I'm sure we all have friends who there's some people I know who didn't leave their house for almost a year. And if they have young right. kids, they didn't get exposure to a variety of other people. And so that does stunt that growth. And you're absolutely right. We're born inherently like we know there's several things fight or flight or freeze wasn't taught to us. It's part of what's ingrained into us, right? So kids are very good at reading body language because they had to survive. And if you ever, are you guys familiar with Ed Milet? Yep. At all? Okay, so yes, Ed Milet yes. does an entire talk about how he had an abusive father when he would drink. And because he had to learn to gauge his mannerisms of his father on a regular basis is why he says he's so good with people today. So what's actually interesting is, the harder some people have it growing up, the better the tune they are to paying attention to what's going on with people emotionally and do they need to retreat or not. So you're absolutely wow. correct. The more people that they're around, um, we are natural body language people because we know like you, if you've ever been driving down the road, right? And all of a sudden you just have that desire to look over and somebody's staring at you. We don't know why. <laughs> we are. We're paying attention to those things all the time, right? So, right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's fascinating. Okay, keep going. We just, I want to interrupt sometimes because yeah. all these questions oh, no. come up. Look, I could talking. talk about this all the time. As a matter of fact, I was worried because I couldn't see you guys on screen. I'm like, did I lose them? I'm just going to keep going. Just <laughs> keep going. Yeah, going. We're, we're still, still here. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Jump in anytime because that's the whole thing. I know it, but with questions, it helps other people know it as well. And sometimes I get into my groove. So please jump in all you want. Um, when I first got into sales, this was the book everyone recommended me, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I still think everyone should get it. But a lot of that book is, oh, well, go in and talk to somebody and go sit in their office and see how their office is displayed, you know, decorated. Do they have pictures of their family? Do they have sports emblems? Well, now when you go to a lot of places, you're either meeting in a very uh, coffee shop, a sanitized conference room, or people are encouraged not to decorate their offices. So a lot of what I learned in that book isn't applicable anymore. So with that being said, I want to show you guys the skill because I've talked about it, but I like to dump, jump right into it. Jump, <laughs> Can't talk to today. So what do you guys see here? If anybody's ever seen the show called The Voice, these are for the judges. And what the show is based on is people would listen to who was playing 
And only if they liked what they heard, then they would turn around and see what the artist looked like. Well, that doesn't surprise me because while you see four celebrities, what I see are four people who have larger ears and smaller eyes. So they're auditory people. So these are the kind of people that are used to hearing things first, and then they pay attention visually second. So that's the entire reason why they're on the show. Because once again, if they like what they hear, then they turn to pay attention to you. So when you see somebody who's got larger ears and smaller eyes, and it's in proportion to their head, not a direct correlation. But if you see larger ears, that's an auditory person. So you say things like, does this sound like a good idea? Do you hear where I'm coming from? You start saying auditory terms because then you're speaking their language. So if I was going to do business with them or they were a new client, I would call them or I'd leave them a voice text or a video versus just a standard email or a regular text message. How else can you use it? Here's our buddy Steve Sims, right? So we, we all know Steve, but a lot of people don't. If I wanted to learn something about Steve, I could go to his LinkedIn profile. And this is actually a picture of him from LinkedIn. And then you can see all the different things on his face that stand out that tell me just a little bit about Steve. And that's what's crazy about it is each feature has multiple meanings because everybody's face is just a little bit different. How else can you use it again when you're walking into somewhere like a networking event or you're from the cold call on somebody? You just pick a few different features. You take them from an unknown to a known. Here's one of my favorite ones. Because some of your clients deal a lot with emails or people who have to fill out intake forms, people will actually tell you what their learning style is as well. So here you have an email and basically this person put in a lot of words. So if you read through the email, I don't want to exhaust everybody's time, but look at all the words that I highlighted. Sit down and take your medicine, position yourself, run the risk, embracing, show yourself. Just by this person's email, I know this is a kinesthetic person. So if I wanted to speak their language, I'd say things like, how does it feel? Is it something you can grasp? Is it something you can wrap your head around? I'm going to use action or kinesthetic words to speak this person's language as well. That has nothing to do with face reading. I'm just fascinated by this, and I thought I'd share that little tidbit as well. So with that being said, we're going to teach everybody today how long does it take. You're going to leave this podcast with some valuable information, starting with eyebrows or what I call just browsing. So in eyebrows, if you don't think they're important, then go and Google people without eyebrows. And for everybody who's just listening to this on the audio version, go do this yourself. And what's going to pop up is a bunch of celebrities where they've had their eyebrows taken off. And it's creepy because you don't even recognize what the people look like when their eyebrows are off. So there's a lot of celebrities. Nicholas Cage doesn't look right. Angelina Jolie looks scary. Anne Hathaway, you don't really recognize her. And look, I'm a huge Ryan Reynolds fan. He's in the lower right-hand corner. You wouldn't even know that was him. So we pay attention to eyebrows quite a bit. And what I love about eyebrows are eyebrows lead to eye contact. And that's the number one reason why I teach eyebrows are there's a lot of people who are timid to approach new people, to make eye contact. They start overthinking it. But if you just look at somebody's eyebrows and think, okay, what shape are they or how high are they, which I'm going to teach you in a second, the natural progression is to come right here and make eye contact. And that's why I teach eyebrows first. All right. So you know what I'm going to probably ask? You've probably been asked this a million times. Sure. Is nowadays, people tattoo their eyebrows. They get microblading. They change the shape of their eyebrows. Yes. Like how, how do you see through all of the 
the changes and the fillers and the Botox and all of these things, because now that face is not what it would be if we had the natural lines, right? Agreed. Agreed. So the, I love this one and I have a perfect story for it. I just mentioned my daughter just turned five. Right. And one of the things that we had at her birthday party was a face painting person. And what they did is they went and selected what face do they want and they became that character, right? So my daughter became a tiger and all of a sudden she'd run around and go Rawr! everywhere she went. Makeup is no different. Trimming your eyebrows are no different. So if you're actually altering it, you're creating what, what persona do I want to present to the world? So people who actually shave off their eyebrows, 70% of the time, they're going to draw an angled eyebrow because that's helped me understand it. I want to be involved in the process versus very few shave them off and put a rounded one. I'll explain that here in a second. So if you go and get your eyebrows threaded or tattooed on, they usually enhance what's already there. However, mm -hmm. when people alter it, it's projecting what do they want the world to see when they see them. And you asked about fillers. So I'll tell you, do you know what the number one plastic surgery is right now? Cheek injections. Lip, lip, oh. uh, no, lip injections. And nobody knew why, but I can tell you why. This is your, your upper lip is your personal lip. This is your professional lip. Well, when we look at people and we say the phrase like keep a stiff upper lip, that means don't share any emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So it go the inverse of that. The larger the lip, the more you want to talk. So it makes people feel more approachable. That's why it started with duck lips and photos. Don't ask me why on that one. But yeah. that's why people started to do their lips is because women especially have been doing beauty secrets for generations, right? Uh, women yeah. used to put belladonna in their eyes to make their pupils larger. Mm -hmm. It's never stopped. It's just once they figure out something else about a face that stands out. So lips is the easiest one to do because you can be in and out of a doctor's office. But right. that's why we do it. So again, if, if you hear the phrase, keep a stiff upper lip, you'll see that in a lot of communist countries where people weren't supposed to talk about anything personal. Mm. And so when I go over to, uh, I was in Romania, Bulgaria, you name it, a lot of flatter upper lips. And that's where that phrase comes from. So when you see somebody who has a very thin upper lip, I know they're not going to want to talk about themselves until they feel comfortable. So I'll talk about everything external first, their job, their friends, you name it. And once they tell me something about themselves, then I know they've given me permission to ask questions. Wow. Crazy, huh? Pretty good. I'm just staring at Sean's lips right now, trying to understand everything about him. <laughs> As everybody probably listening is looking at the person around oh, him. The very first person you stand in front of is a mirror. Because when I first learned this, so you guys saw these little cards that I have. The first yeah. thing I did was sit in front of a mirror and cover up each side of my face. And we'll explain why, because there's a personal side and a professional side. But when you first learn to analyze faces, which by the way, it is face reading. I just don't call it that right off the bat. Cause then people go, Ooh, can you read palms too? And I'm like, no, <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, that's hundred percent why I call it facial analysis. That actually comes from uh, Glenn Morshower. We are on clubhouse. He's like, so you analyze the faces. I'm like, I'm stealing that. Um, yes. <laughs> but back to eyebrows. Eyebrows are important because if we're lucky enough to be born with sight, that's how we learn to take in the world from the beginning, because we don't understand sounds. We don't understand language. So babies are born with two things, and that is a fear of heights and a fear of loud noises. But eyes are how they take in the entire world. That's why when kids are scared, they just cover up their eye because they think they're blocking out the entire world. So eyebrows actually tell us how do people process information and how do they take it in? So when you're talking to somebody, you can think of eyebrows like speed bumps in a road. If there's a speed bump in the middle of the road, so a high eyebrow, 
That's like data racing down the forehead. It's got to slow down, go over the high eyebrow, and then get to the eye. The lower the eyebrow is, the faster data can race down your forehead and get into your eye. What's funny is I Googled this two weeks ago. If you Google highbrow humor and lowbrow humor, highbrow humor is when somebody tells you a joke and you have to think about it for a second and then you laugh. Lowbrow humor is like jackass where you laugh immediately when you see it. So it's interesting because when you see that on a person, when you see a higher eyebrow, like one in the middle of the road where data races down, has slowed down, go over the speed bump and try to get fast again, those are people who need more time before they take action. So you imagine data coming down, slows down, takes just a second and comes in. So if you force somebody who has a higher eyebrow to make a quick decision, then this is going to be somebody you made a sale, but you'll never have a client because I feel like you push them into something that they didn't want to do. And chances are they're going to have buyer's remorse. In places like the state of Texas, buyers have 72 hours to return anything that they purchased. So I could force her and get that one call closed, right? And feel good and think I'm going to get that commission. I got a sale maybe, but I definitely don't have a relationship. In this day and age, with the way that people can review us and talk about our products and everything, you want to build relationships. And with that will come sales. But if you basically throw everything else away to make a sale, you won't get very far in life. Next one down, low eyebrow. So imagine once again, data racing down the forehead. It goes straight, almost straight into the eye. Those are people who make fast decisions, quick, fast decisions. And when they have that, because they got there so fast, they get excited and they want to help somebody else get there as well. And so they have a tendency to interrupt, not to be rude, but because they want to help you get to where they got that fast. And this is where grace comes with learning to read faces. I used to be one of those who got really upset when somebody interrupted me if I was talking until I realized I'd just look at their face and go, okay, this is somebody who gets the concept and they're excited. And so now that judgment is gone. It's not about me or them interrupting me. It has nothing to do with me. I just said me a lot, but that's just how they think. So by learning to focus on them and giving grace, it doesn't bother me anymore. Make sense so far? Yep. Yeah. Sean makes very quick decisions <laughs> and, and yes. interrupts because he's excited. <laughs> That's <laughs> no, I'm doing a great job today. I'm not interrupting. You're not interrupting. Once you learn, yeah. Once you learn to analyze somebody's faces, it really comes with grace. Like I said, it, I'll talk one in, here in a minute about eyelids, upper eyelids and what used to drive me nuts about people. I'm like, Oh, now I just know that's how they're, they're, they're basically genetically almost built wow. so, um, show pictures while we're going through some of this to explain so if you take a look at the patient who's on the left hand side or sorry the right hand side look she's got high eyebrows so when you're explaining something to her she's the first one in the office or the first one you're talking to you've got to give her some time and a lot of times i know we're on a short time frame in the medical industry but these are people who need time to make a decision versus um gosh and i'm not sending this to you guys one of the things that when you were here in Dallas, you talked about the different types of personalities. I actually drew out what their facial feature was at the exact same time. So I'll send that back to you guys in the notes later. Oh, that would be but, great. Uh, yes. Yeah. I was really impressed with all the things you guys covered. So if anybody hasn't been to one of your live events, they absolutely need to go. Um, but yes, you. she's got a higher eyebrow. So I know it's going to take more time for her to make a decision that she's going to feel comfortable with. So I wouldn't immediately start locking down all the times so, of, all right, let's book in your next few weeks and months and everything else. This applies to all kinds of business. So if you look at all the people on the screen here, 
high eyebrows, high eyebrows. The next one is low eyebrows. So if I was talking to this group or presenting to them, I know who I'd have to start talking to and looking at first for them to feel comfortable. And I know I could come back to the guy in the middle because his eyebrows are so close to his eyes. He's going to get it anyway. So if I had to do a divide and conquer and talk to the people in the, in the room about my product or my services, I would focus on everybody first and I'd come back to the guy in the gray for that very reason. This is a perfect example of where a lot of people make a mistake. And that is people think the more time spent with a C-level executive, they've done a better job. And that's not true because here I just grabbed a random, well, actually I've done work for this company before. I go to, if I'm meeting with a, a C-level suite or an executive or somebody I don't know, what's the first thing I do? If I get there and I don't know who for sure I'm going to meet with, I go to their about us on their webpage and figure out who might I be meeting with. Or I'll get there early and say, hey, I'm here for this meeting. I know I'm possibly meeting with a few different people. Can I get a business card for who I'm going to be talking with? And then I have time to go and research their face at the exact same time. But look at every single one of these C-level officers all their eyebrows are close to their eyes. So they understand concepts very fast. So the longer I talk, the more I lose them. And once you learn to analyze faces like that, you know, oh, maybe I had a 45 minute presentation. Maybe it should be a four to five minute presentation. And I'll explain more about the three eyebrow shapes in here in one second. And that is, there's three basic shapes. We all played the game as a kid where we put the right peg in the right hole. Well, with the three basic shapes of eyebrows, and I could talk about eyebrows for two hours, it's straight, get straight to the point. What's my angle? Angled eyebrow and a rounded eyebrow or a well-rounded eyebrow. So when you start looking at people, a straight to the point eyebrow, get straight to the point. Facts, figures, data, stop talking and say, what other information do you need? Because these are the people I mentioned earlier that the longer you talk, the more you lose them. So I just, here's the basics, done. In the real estate market, what are you looking for? A 4-4, four, four, a 3-3, three, three, a 2-2? Two, two? What interest rate? What payments? Okay, great. And stop talking. And then let them ask me questions. These are the people who hate the pitch. Number two, what's my angle? Help me understand it so I can help other people. You see, I have the angled eyebrow right here on my right side. I didn't get this until I became a corporate trainer. Why did I get it? I had to understand the material first before I could teach it to other people. Once I got that down, I was good to go. The last one, well-rounded. So when you see a rounded eyebrow, they think about the people around them first and themselves second. So once you do that, you understand that asking them questions about themselves, they don't get it. So you start asking about other people, their friends, their family, their coworkers, the people around them. So in a sales environment, going through all three of the eyebrows again, a straight eyebrow, facts, figures, data, stop talking. Angled eyebrow, help you understand it so that you can then help your coworkers. A rounded eyebrow, because you think about the people around you, I would ask questions about how will your friends benefit, your family benefit, your coworkers benefit first, and then bring it back to you second, if you're the, the decision maker. Now, I'd love to show these two celebrities here because Elon Musk could have retired after he sold PayPal, right? But what did he do? He invested his every last cent into Tesla and everything else. And so you think about it, He's got rounded eyebrows. He's trying to get us to Mars. He's working on energy efficient cars, right? Instead of just retiring on some yacht like he could. And Oprah, what do we know about Oprah? We don't know much about her, but we know that she's going to interview a good guest and she gives away cars to her audience. Right? <laughs> so they're perfect examples of the shapes.
Okay, Brian, can you see us? I can't. Um, only if they make you the center person. Right. Go one more, James. Oh, James, yeah, go We know it. Sean and full I All right. Yeah, so there's a few things about Sean, right? And so I always start. Normally, I go ladies first, but I know that you want him to go first. So I thought, okay, you know let's it. start with him. Yeah. <laughs> so the first part is he's got what they call chameleon eyebrows. And that is you can't really see a lot of what shape they are. So it brings people closer to him, right? But I think once, and they're close to his eye, eyebrow. So basically he understands things very fast, right? And yep. he's a straight to the point person. The longer you talk, the more that he just quits paying attention, right? Now, even from here, and this isn't in the PowerPoint, but he's what's called a brow ridge right here. So he loves to understand process. Step one, step two, step three, step four. So he can reverse this engineer that. Yes, that area. And that's called a self-will pad. And what that is, I'm sorry, not self-will pad, a brow ridge. And what that means is it's people who love to understand it so they can dissect it and reverse engineer it. Doesn't have a big upper lip, right? A little bit flatter. So the kind we talked about that earlier, doesn't like talking about himself a lot, which surprises me because in your book, you do talk a lot about yourself and where you came from. But I know that's a necessary evil. But even when you're up on stage, you'll talk about where you guys have been but the focus on is on taking care of everybody else, right? And, and sharing the data you guys have learned. Um, now, here's a fun one. I, I haven't even talked about it. It's on this PowerPoint. But someone who has large ears, right? And they, they're close to their eyebrows. So high ears and low eyebrows is a double threat. Because when he hears something, he understands it fast. And when he sees it, he understands it fast, right? So the biggest frustration he has in life is, what the F is wrong with all these people? Why is nobody getting it as fast as I am? <laughs> Our whole team's laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now here's the challenge, though, is when you have the high ears that are larger like that, is he wants it all now, but he also wants it done right. So you tend to have like perf uh, perfectionist-like tendencies, right? Mm -hmm. And now here's the uh, some of the other things I didn't talk about. But since we're focusing on him, so when he raises his eyebrows up, I can already see the lines across here. So that's deep, intense study. So he's not a bullet points person because, again, he wants to reverse engineer the process. And I know that because I was super impressed. I think I told you guys, I was in your class for one day and I have like eight to 10 pages of notes because the way you guys were able to break down everything that you were talking about. And you gave us notes from different books. Like I think I texted Sean. I tried to make it through Pendulum. I couldn't do it. But, uh, you know, the notes and everything from it, I get. And so it's funny because I kind of knew y'all, but I didn't because in Phoenix, I didn't really get to spend much time with y'all. Right. Mm -hmm. But then in Dallas, I got to watch you guys work. And it was absolutely amazing. Um, you want to jump over to Lacey now? All right. So hers. Now, and this is the interesting point I didn't get to bring up earlier is we're all a little bit two faced. And what I mean by that is we have two sides of our face that are controlled by our brain. So if I were to ask, hey, are you married? It's a personal question. So the left hand side of our face is our personal side. And then the right hand side is our professional side. And so you can actually have completely different faces because you can be a different person and handle things differently at home than you do at work. Right. And so when I'm just looking like I can see where your wedding ring is. So I know which one is your personal side. Right. And then the other one's the professional side. And so yours, like on your personal side, it rounds off a little bit more. But on your professional side, it angles just a little bit. So on the personal side, I'm making sure everybody's taken care of. Right. And then on the professional side, what's my angle? Help me understand it so I can help other people. 
right? And I'll pick different features on you guys. Now, what you have in common, but I point on you is a strong jaw is once you make up your mind, it's hell to get you to change your mind, right? Because you don't just, you don't waver back and forth. You don't waffle. And so once you make up your mind, he's got to come at you with facts, figures, data, all these reasons, not just the, hey, you need to change your mind type thing. Hey, Brian, that makes for a really fun relationship. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we're too strong for people. <laughs> oh, yes, you definitely are. Now, what's funny is, speaking of relationship, you both have high and wide cheeks. Now, yours are wider, but high and wide cheeks, if you think of like cheeks are like gas gauges, the farther they are from the nose, the longer people can keep going and going. And you guys both have pretty wide cheeks which is a lot of energy, which I saw you guys up on there the entire day working. And, you know, you had events at night and everything else. So you both kept going. You can tell the people who are just faking it because they're like, <laughs> and they're kind of following up. But you guys were energized talking with people the entire time that you guys were there. So that's things that you guys do have in common. Um, you have talk lines here. So I know for you, conversations are the way that you love to interact with other people, right? Sean's more of a, let me dissect and understand people, which by the way, um, have you guys picked up the book Amplify Your Influence yet by uh, Rene Rodriguez? Pick nope. up his book and invite him to be on your podcast. Um, he was on with Bradley and I've been talking with him. He His book is great, especially I think you guys would love it. And it's even talking about how you present yourself. And it reminds me of uh, reading through his book is you guys talked about in Dallas of how do you set up your office and are you setting up your office for you and you have all your plaques up on the wall or are you setting up for what your customer sees when your customer comes in? That's right mm -hmm. in alignment with his book. So you guys should have him on your podcast. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So it, it's, that's what makes you guys that power couple though, is because not everything has to be the same and because you enjoy the conversations and he's dissecting people at the exact same time. That's how y'all get to know and interact with everybody in different ways but it takes different ways to get different people in your group, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything that was way off base? No. Nothing. <laughs> I don't think anything was off base at all. Is it ever? Is it ever off base? It is. Um, it, it is and it isn't. Um, I will tell you right now, what happens is somebody gets so excited. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they like it. And then I see somebody with a flatter upper lip and their friends go, oh, now read that person. And I know that person doesn't like the idea that somebody can read their uh, face. And so I know, and I'll actually type on my phone, he's going to disagree with everything that they say, or she's going to disagree hundred percent. And sure enough, they will. Now the, uh. um, I'm trying to think of what has really thrown me. It's not a lot. Um, like I said, the lips are pretty basic. Ears are harder for me though, because like right now I can't see Lacey's ears. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't even put that I much time in like the ears. Yeah, exactly. So ears throw me a little bit. Um, but for the most part, it's high nineties, but I know if they have a flatter upper lip, they hate the idea that somebody can just read them like a book. And so they're going to say, Nope, Nope, not true. Not true. Not true. What um, about no in your case, can, can facial yeah. hair interrupt with that? And does, does that have a meaning? Absolutely. So do you know how I got to be on, uh, on Steve Sims podcast, he was, uh, he was a guest on my friend, Joe Ingram's podcast called war games, which is on Wednesdays also. And we got done and I said, Hey, Steve, if I can give you some advice. One thing I recommend is trim your, this part of your beard, your mustache so that people can see your upper lip, because when people can't see it, they don't know how to interact with you. And of course, in Steve fashion, he goes, you think I care? <laughs> and so, you know, but I, that's what I tell people. If they have a beard, trim that part so we can see your upper lip 
But speaking of beards, the movie 300, right? The whole thing is they had all these badass beards that they grew out because chins tell you how people handle adversity. And so that's why we say take one on the chin. So people who are like badasses and don't really care, kind of like Steve, they grow that part of their beard out and will extend it. And that's the entire reason why in the movie 300, they had those really cool beards. I tried to grow out a cool beard like that. And mine looked like, can I borrow $3? It was not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, are we missing anything else amazing in the presentation that we should bring back up? Um, yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you two other things. And that's just eye angles and upper eyelids. And we'll uh, wrap it up. Yeah, upper eyelids. Yeah, upper eyelids. Fascinating. Yeah. So I, I kind of showed this one earlier. This is how can are people different? So I love this visual. It's by a, an artist called Danny Haas. And so the way he does it, when you look here on the left-hand side where a wedding ring would be, it's Bruce Wayne. On the right-hand side, he's Batman. Same thing for Batgirl there. It's a picture of a wedding ring. So that's easy to say when we're in the U.S. If I'm ever speaking in Europe, then I have to talk on the other way. I just say on the left hand that you can make an L with, that's your personal side. So if you remember personal ends in an L, that's your L. Or you have the right side, which is your professional side. Or sorry, personal side, uh, business side. I don't want it to end in an L. So you just start looking at people and you start recognizing all these different skills. So because I like eyes and they're still visible with, with masks on, what I like to call more than meets the eye is the upper eyelid, eye angle, and the eye placement tell you something about it. We're going to talk about upper eyelid and the angle. So when you're looking at somebody's upper eyelid, the more lid they have, the more they think in terms of we. They're a we person. So an easy way to remember it, I was raised in the time of Dr. Seuss. The more lid you see, the more they think in terms of we. So somebody who has a fuller upper eyelid, hey, where are we going? What are we going to go do? Somebody who has no upper eyelid, they're more of I'm going to go do this. The more I I can see, the more they think in terms of I. So if you're looking at the picture up here, the first gentleman here, not a lot of upper eyelid. Same thing for her. No upper eyelid really on her either. But when you look at the two gentlemen down here, a lot of upper eyelid, a lot of upper eyelid. This affects people more than you know, because the people who have a fuller upper lid are always thinking, where are we going? What are we doing? If they're coworkers with or in a relationship with somebody who has no upper eyelid, when that person with no upper eyelid says, I'm going to go do this and they run off to do it, they get hurt because they think, well, they didn't want to include me. And again, this is where grace comes in. You can look at somebody's face and know, let them go do their own thing or they want to be included. And if, I have a course on dating. You're going to love it. It's called looking for love in all the wrong faces.com. It's basically what I teach to businesses, but it's for all my friends that are on the dating apps. And that's one of the things I cover is if you have a big full upper eyelid and you're looking for people to date and all you're dating are people with thin upper eyelids, you're never going to be happy unless you have that conversation and you're not going to walk them and go, Hey, I've got a fuller eyelid. You've got a lower one. When you're dating, you just say, Hey, look, I love doing things together. I'm just one of those people that I think, you know, there's more power to than there is running solo. But if they're going to date somebody who has no upper eyelid, then they have to give grace to that person and say, hey, look, I'd like to spend as much time as possible together. But I understand you need to do things on your own. Let's just plan, you know, date nights on Saturdays and Fridays. You can run around with your friends or whatever, you know, makes them happy. And that's how you can literally just looking at somebody's eyelid. When you're talking to them, if I see that upper lid, the more lid you see, the more they think in terms of we, I start using inclusive language. Hey, where are we going? What's our next steps here? I just say we a lot or us. And then if I don't see a lot of upper eyelid, I'll say, well, what you need to do from here is this, this, and this. 
Make sense? Fascinating. <laughs> it, Wait, so is there one, when you say upper eyelid, I have a question. Does that mean <clears throat> from the eyebrow to like the crease? Because some people have those pocket lids, like I do, right? Is that I'm what you're pocket. talking about? So more like here, can you see on this where I'm circling? Right here. Go back. Go back. So yeah, oh, sorry. Again? right in here. So see where it's like where his eye socket starts down to it's almost like cutting here. Uh, can you see that? I can't see where you're circling, but I know what you're talking so about. That, the socket down. Yeah. So this part, yeah, like this part above their eye. So it's not from the eyebrow itself. It's once your like eye socket comes in. So for example, normally you don't see a lot of my eyelid when I'm here, but if I pull it down, see how I can make like you see more eyelid like this. So that would yep. be more eyelid. Mm. But my normal is this where you don't see an eyelid. Got it. That's no eyelid. Yep. Got it. Yeah. We, Sean and I both have yeah. no eyelids. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. That's why you guys can do things together and do things apart at the exact same time. So the difference of when you see somebody with not a lot of upper eyelid, if somebody joins, it's a bonus, not a requirement. If you see somebody with a lot of upper eyelid, you do something without them. And they're like, well, well nobody wants to do anything with me. You know, so it's just the way people are wired. I was, I was in a relationship with somebody who had a very full upper eyelid and everything was great when we did things together. But if I did anything without, able to pay, you know, and it was because she thought I was doing something to not want to be around her versus I'm just, no, I just need to do some stuff for me. Right. Makes sense. But you can use it social life, romantic life, coworkers, you name it. So I am. This one always throws people, but if you remember the picture of me that I showed at 18, I was raised in a household where we always can think about what could go wrong. Actually, you guys are perfect examples. In your book, you talk about the different way you guys were raised, right? What do you do with money? You One saves just in case there's not enough. And then, Sean, you were raised to like spend the money, you'll make more, right? So when you look at eye angles, it's kind of the exact same thing. So when somebody's eyes angle up, and what you do is you go from the inside of the nose to the outer part of the eye, if it angles up, that's your optimist. Talk about the features, the benefits, keep it positive. What, what are they going to benefit from it, right? So we always talk about features, but they want to hear the fluff. They want to hear the positive thing that's going to happen. If somebody on the opposite, like the guy in the middle here, eyes angled down, these people anticipate problems. So I sell technology. When I'm talking about technology, I see somebody's eyes angled down, and particularly on their business side, because again, personal side, professional side. On their business side, if it angles down, I don't talk about the benefits of our product. I talk about what were the first versions of that product and the problems that we had that helped us build a better product now. And now I'm speaking their language. Because if you just come in and talk about how everything's perfect, they're thinking, nope, they probably didn't think about this, 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 and this. But if I talk about the problems we overcame, I'm speaking their language. And when I would go into rooms, I knew who I was talking to. So if I do have to cover the benefits and features, I look at that person and I'll point to them. And when I'm talking about what we overcame, I'll point to that person. Because not only do they know that I'm talking to them, but I'm speaking their language at the exact same time. And then if it's an even, it's just a balanced view that you can tell them pros and cons. It doesn't really matter either way. So when you start looking at people, you can look at all kinds of things. The gentleman here, he's got on the left. A lot of upper eyelid girl here doesn't really have a lot of upper eyelid, but you start putting what's together called clusters. So if you look at him, he's got rounded eyebrows and upper eyelid. So what does he love? He loves to think about the people around him and he loves to be around people at the exact same time. For her, she's got on her personal side, a straight eyebrow, a little bit of a rounded one here, 
not a lot of upper eyelid in the middle. So, you know, she's fine doing things by herself over here. Notice how he's got very angled eyebrows. So he wants to be heavily involved, almost in control, but yet he has a lot of fuller upper eyelid. So he wants to be included. He loves to be part of a team versus you look over at her straight eyebrow on one side angled on the other and not a lot of upper eyelids. So you start adding these things together and it's like the book, the five love languages. You just start figuring out what do they need? What makes them happy? And what should I change or alter? And when you start doing that, people know when you're just pushing your agenda or if you're trying to create connection with them and it's just game changing. This is what I did for an RV dealership. And my question to them was like, Hey, who would you talk to first about the RVs? Well, obviously I'd start with her because she's not only have a rounded eyebrow. So I'd ask like, Hey, where are you going to go see when you're in the RV? Who's coming with you? You can go visit friends and family. When I get over to him, straight eyebrows, close to the eye. What do you want to know about it? How many miles per gallon? You know what the, uh, how fast the car goes, how many, uh, what's your interest payment, what's your uh, monthly payment, you know, you name it, just facts and figures. I don't know why I said a lot of us there. <laughs> but here's the cool part I mentioned earlier. It's proactive. If you know that you're going to go meet with somebody, go look them up on LinkedIn, find a good picture of them, what stands out about their face, because I taught you guys a lot of features today. But the two things you can do is look at what's prominent, what would a characterist overemphasize about their face, or what stands out to you about them. And then, or you pick just specific features like eyebrows, upper lip, or even eyelid, you name it. And then you basically speak their language. So again, it's like the book, The Five Love Languages. Um, the one thing I mentioned earlier that I said I would cover, if you see a little line that's horizontal right here on somebody, that's called a verbal affirmation line. And what that means is those are people that love, 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 love to hear verbal compliments. So a sincere thank you from that is how you make them happy. So when we were there, I think it was Erica that I talked about that. Erica had rounded eyebrows and then she had a very deep verbal affirmation line here. And what I said to her was, look, I know you're so busy doing everything for everybody else, but if you don't share with those people what you're doing for them behind the scenes, you're never gonna hear that verbal affirmation that you want. And that's when she broke out into tears. So yeah, I make people cry sometimes. <laughs> We're all still analyzing all of yeah, our. Everybody's <laughs> looking at each other over here. <laughs> Getting distracted Trust over here. Me. How deep is my line? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's once you learn it, look, that's you can make several things make people happy. Sometimes it's money, sometimes it's titles. But when you see this sincere thank yous go a long, long way with that person. Yeah. But yeah, it's got to be a sincere it. thank you, not just, hey, thanks. Hey, thank you. I appreciate for what you did. Da, da, da. And it goes a long way. Very, very long way. Okay, I have one last question before we wrap up and talk about sure. how to get a hold of you because it's this burning question for me. They say that they say that the most beautiful people on the planet are perfectly symmetrical in their face. No. Yeah. What do you no. say? I mean, you've heard that, right? That's what they oh, say yes. oftentimes. Yes. So we do like somewhat close to symmetrical because then we think we understand the person on both sides of their face. Again, it we've never been formally taught, but we've been taught our entire life. That's why you can turn on a Disney show. You know, who's a hero and who's a villain, right? You could hit mute. And just by their facial features, you know, like downturn nose, pointy chin, all these things we know, but they did a study where what they did is they took half a face and they duplicated it on the other side and they mirrored it. And people were actually grossed out by it because it was too perfect. So if it's close, yes, but if it's perfect, we don't. 
that's why like even when we look at robots we kind of don't have that trust of it even if you put a human face on it because right. it's the exact same look on both sides so if they would actually alter something we'd feel more comfortable with it because we expect when we unofficially train we still know oh look there's something different on this side than this side mm. and we pay attention to things all the time like <clears throat> excuse me what risk does somebody's watch on i mean we're constantly searching faces for cues and that's why we you're right it's cuter than if somebody's dramatically different like let's go to the polar opposite look at a stroke victim and we don't know what to do right because all the muscles on that side of the face stopped working and that just proves the point even more there's 42 muscles in the face that alter over time that's why when we go to funerals we only recognize the person in the casket because we always saw the tense muscles in their face. And when all 42 of those go smooth, we, we kind of like, I, I don't recognize the person laying there. So, wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Incredible stuff. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's tell people how they can find you. First of all, sure. we had no idea about looking for love in all the wrong faces.com. So make sure that uh, <laughs> yeah. um, you, you can check get this that course. Out. How yeah. important would this be, especially for women? When they immediately go out and, and, and meet when men to know if, if they feel safe or not, right? It's, a, it's actually true. ahead of that. It's you, Look, people get on apps and just like their resumes, they lie. <laughs> so right. you can analyze somebody's face and figure out a little bit about the person and like, is it a match or not? And it doesn't have to be like we talked about earlier. Let's say I have a fuller upper eyelid. I don't have to look for somebody with a fuller upper eyelid, but it lets me know ahead of time where that challenge will be so I can address it earlier. So yeah. the main site, the main site, subtleskills.com. Yes. All kinds of cool stuff. You should be hiring Brian for um, to come in and work with your team. So, you know, he travels. We've seen him all over in a lot of different places. Follow him on social media. His links are there on the site. Mm -hmm. um, or you can, you can find him. And he travels all over the place. Um, all teams, big teams, teach you how to sell, teach you how to craft your offer better, um, teach you how to communicate better to your clients so that you understand all of these things um, our services that he offers. And then there's some fun services too, which of course, this is a ton of fun. You can yeah. send him pictures. Maybe you could find out yep. why you, your wife is so crazy or you think <laughs> she's so crazy. And you're like, all right, now I, I get it. It's the eyebrows. So you can do all of those things. Subtle skills.com. Brian, we definitely have to do more work together for sure. Absolutely. Um, as you can tell, Lacey and I love this stuff and it, it is, and it's not just, um, it's not just entertainment. It is incredibly, incredibly valuable. Yeah. Um, and what I think is, you know, in this quick session today, what we learn is that we, and again, you already said it, but I'm like, well, gosh, there's gotta be a system for this. Like right. what, there's gotta be an order. Like you can't, how am I going to keep track of all of these different things? Um, and so, yeah, we can uh, continue to have you on. I was thinking we'll do a bright live with Brian. I think a lot of people would love to see Brian on bright live. Yeah. We'll, if we can coordinate that. Um, sure. uh, Brian, thank you so much for uh, taking your time with us. That was fantastic. Thank you for having me on. It's always great to see you guys. Anything else? No. All right, so folks. Good. That's it for today's episode of the None of Your Business podcast. <laughs> Just as each and every week, we'll be back again next week with a fascinating guest providing you with more information so that you can begin to reach even more people, make an even bigger impact, and create the lifestyle that you do.